Good morning. Good to be with you here this morning after a seemingly long period of time of not being able to be together. Um, it's a real blessing to, to be here amongst God's people and um, to have the encouragement and the love that uh, we share in this place. We're so thankful for, for all of you and, and for the things that we continue to do through this church. Uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to look this morning and, and pick up where uh, Pastor Matt left off at verse 57. So Luke, Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 80. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it came about that on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. And his mother answered and said, No, indeed, but he shall be called John. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows, His name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he began to speak in praise of God. And fear came on all those living around them. And all of these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them kept them in mind, saying, what, what then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to Abraham our father to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation for the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high shall visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadows of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit, and he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. 
Blessed be the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful this morning that you have called us out of darkness and into light, and you've brought us into this place this morning. We're so thankful, Lord, that you've watched over our families and protected us this week. We are overwhelmed uh, by your grace and by the love and mercy which you continue to show us, Lord, every day. Everything that we have, everything that we are, is because of you. All of the blessings and all of the good things that we have are, are because of your grace and your mercy. But ask that you would fill us with your spirit this morning, <clears throat> that you would protect um, me from speaking anything falsely, or that would be uh, something that would not be glorifying to your name, and that that your people would be uh, blessed, and that we would understand what your your will is through the the, the teaching of this wonderful, wonderful chapter by your servant, Luke. Pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> it's, so, it's so wonderful just to, uh, to be here, although I, w- I have to be honest, I wish that it was a little bit warmer outside. I, I kind of feel like uh, Doug and Carol, if you're listening or watching down in Florida, that you guys met, may have made the better decision um, in regards to where you decided to reside during these cold months, um, but we're we're thankful. You know, we're thankful to be here. And I, 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 as hard as it is sometimes to not be around each other and to not be with one another during difficult times, um, these times of COVID and distress that that all of us have gone through, as difficult as it has been, um, we have felt. Uh, our family has felt the blessing and the encouragement of being one in Christ with all of you. We have felt uh, your love and your prayers and your encouragement. <clears throat> and I hope that in the same way that, that you all have felt the same way as we've traveled through this kind of difficult season that all of us have, have gone through and, and had to experience with one another. And we know that God is working. He's working through these things. He's working in people's lives and changing hearts. <clears throat> he's changing the way that we think about things and the way that we, we understand what he's doing. <clears throat> and I want us to, re- to remember that as we're, we're studying through this book and we're looking at this chapter this morning. This is a wonderful chapter. I have to be honest with you. Um, in times past, when I've looked at... Um, the, the Gospel of Luke, and I've looked at uh, some of the other Gospels, there's been a part of me, to be honest, that uh, has kind of just wanted to skip over this part. And um, it's not because I didn't think there was any value in it, but it was because I felt like I, I've read through this, I've studied this so many times, you know, most of this is tied to the, you know, the Christmas story, and I just felt like I... I knew the text, and I knew, you know, what was in this text, and I didn't, you know, I, I didn't feel like it was, you know, awful to say, awful thing to say. I, I didn't feel like it was worth my time. <laughs> Terrible. And uh, what, what the Lord has done through this time of, of studying and preparing um, me for this message is he's reminded me 
of what a, a blessing this text really is. And it, it's been a, a reminder to me that there is a, a richness and a, a depth of, of meaning within, all, obviously, all of God's Word. But until you stop and, and really begin to turn over every leaf and look at every aspect of what's being taught and what's being said through the, through the Holy Spirit, you just, you just have, miss things. You, you don't see everything. You don't see all the things that God is wanting to communicate as, as we just you know, blow through these, some of these, these chapters. And you know, growing up in a, um, a pastor's home and, and being familiar with these texts, you know, it's just uh, another story you know, that we've heard a thousand times. And that's not what this is. This, this is something that's much greater and much powerful, much more powerful than that. There's more happening and more going on within this text than, than what we oftentimes understand. And so in preparing uh, for this message, in some ways I was yeah, rebuked and um, chastised you know, by the Lord for not having a right attitude and a right spirit about the significance of what, of what God's Word has to offer. But what I would like to do this morning is I, I, I hope that you'll bear with me, and, and what, what we could do together is work our way through these verses, verses 57 through 80. And I, I want to ask a, a, a basic question. And the, the question that I want to ask is, what exactly is as the Apostle uh, Paul, as he's communicated these things through Luke, what, what is Luke wanting to communicate to Theophilus? And what is he wanting to communicate to his people through this, this chapter? What is there that's significant about it that's important enough for us to spend our time this morning working through the passage? Why does it matter why does it matter that a man is born, a baby is born uh, from a, a couple that could not conceive after many, many years of trying? What does it matter that a person who lost their ability to speak for nine months is able to speak all of a sudden, miraculously? What, is, what does all that mean? So look with me at verse 57. I, I want to kind of work through the first part of this, and um, what we'll do is we'll look at the, the last, as we, we get to the close of this, we'll look at the last section of this, which is the, uh, the prophecy of, of Zechariah. Incidentally, I, I typically read from the ESV Bible, and uh, I realized as I was grabbing the, the Bible, my Bible this morning to bring with me, that uh, I accidentally grabbed the NASB. <laughs> which is not a problem other than to say it reads a little bit differently. Um, and so I know that in the ESV, Zacharias is translated, I believe, Zechariah. And so it can be translated in, in a couple different ways there. But in verse 57, it says, Now when the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she brought forth a son, and her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it came about that on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. 
This is an interesting passage because the, the first thing that, as I studied through this and, uh, I, you know, I really try agonized over what, what's the point of this? Why is Luke even giving us all of this detail? I mean, honestly, why does he, why does he go to the trouble of giving us all of this detail about this get-together on the eighth day of, of this child being born um, as they're obeying the Mosaic law and having him circumcised? I mean, he's giving a lot of detail, if you haven't noticed. And if you've, if you've watched closely, uh, as, as Matt has spoken over the last few weeks, you've probably seen that Luke has a tendency to uh, draw close attention to detail. He likes to do that. And he seems as though he's carrying a burden to make sure that everything that is being communicated is being communicated accurately and that there are no mistakes being made, and that he's covering every aspect of what happened, the events that, that happened. And it's just interesting that he, it's almost as though, he, you know, if we were watching a movie, it's like he, the camera zooms in on this, this brief, ultimate, um, intimate moment when this baby is being, uh, being circumcised, and it's giving us a glimpse almost into the conversations that are being had between the relatives and the neighbors that are, that are, that are taking part of this. And we have to remember that there, this time period, there is a 400-year silence on the, on the part of God in that there were no prophecies given between the, the last prophecy that was, re, that was given and recorded uh, by the prophet Malachi until this time period was roughly 400 years. They call it the intertestamental period. And if you do much research uh, on this, this time frame, um, as we, you know, we're, we're getting closer and closer to both the birth of, of John and, and Jesus, what you begin to see is that the, the time period, particularly in Judea, is a dark time period. It's not happy times. It's not, it's not a time of great joy and, and peace and and living life to its fullest. These people feel, uh, the Jewish people feel as though they've been beaten down. They've been disrespected by the, by the Romans. They, um, they have been in, in many ways abused by, by the Romans. I read one, in one place, you know, we talk a lot, of, a lot about the census that was taken um, around, the time that, around the time that Jesus was born. And I, I read one person said, you know, you know why a person... Um, or a government would take a census. Obviously, there's multiple reasons. But you know one reason why they would take a census? They would take a census partly in order to make sure that the people that are having to travel all the way back to their hometown realize, we own you. You're going to do what we say. You're going to follow what we tell you to do. And if you don't, there's going to be consequences. And... Um, there, there's this sense by the people living in, in this time of feeling as though the, all hope has been lost. This Messiah that was prophesied about years and years ago, um, he has not come. We don't know what's happening. All we know is that it feels as though God is allowing his people to be kicked around and be spoken to and treated like a, a junkyard dog. 
And it's, it's, it's a time period of hopelessness and a time period of uh, not understanding what's going to happen next. And all of a sudden, we, we come into this encounter of a husband and wife, Zacharias and, and Elizabeth, who are not able to have a child. And so as long as the, this 400-year time period of, of seeming silence, as long as this, and, and as, as dry um, and barren as this time period, period probably felt for the people of God, if you could put yourselves temporarily in the shoes um, or sandals of Elizabeth um, and think about what it must have felt like, to, to want to have a child, and year after year after year, we're, we're praying, asking that God would provide us a child. We were begging that God would provide us a child, year after year after year, and it doesn't happen. I want you to imagine, if you can put yourself in their place for a moment, how that must have felt. All around them, it seems as though the people of, of God are, are under constant oppression. And to make things worse, we can't even have a child. We desperately want one, and God, for whatever reason, has not given us one. And so we get this zoomed-in uh, glance into the, the room, as it were, uh, of the circumcision, and that the neighbors of uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth are there, and their family and relatives are there, and Luke is giving piece-by-piece piece detail of this. And he says <clears throat> in verse 59, it came about that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. Now, that was the tradition. That's what you did. You called him, if you didn't call him after the father, you'd call him uh, another name from another family member. But you didn't just call him Joe or Steve. You know, it wasn't some name that was outside of, 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 of the relatives and the family. And to do that was to break tradition. And to do that uh, would be extremely, extremely unusual. So all of a sudden, the, the, the relatives began to say, well, we're you know, assuming you're going to name him uh, Zacharias after his father, right? And Elizabeth answers and says, no. Indeed, he should be called, or he will be called, John. <laughs> and they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who was called by that name. Why would you name him John? Where, where is this coming from? And it's, as, it, it's almost as if they don't really like her answer. <laughs> and so they move on to the, to the father. They move on to Zacharias. Well, let's... Let's ask, let's ask you know, Zacharias what he thinks. Let's see what he wants to do. And so they move on to him, and they made signs to, to Zacharias because he couldn't speak. We know that there was this nine-month period where um, God took away his speech because of his lack of faith, because of um, some disobedience on his part when the angel Gabriel uh, confronted him and, and told him things that were going to happen. And so they know that he can't speak, and so they're, they're writing this message down on, on a most likely a piece of wood with wax, 
with a stylus or a, a piece of iron to write with. And he takes the tablet and he, and he writes down, his name is John. And Luke says that they were all astonished. Now we look at this and say, what's the big deal, right? It's, it's so that, it, you know, you didn't name them after one of the relatives. Who, who cares? What's the big deal? Well, back then it was a big deal. And back then it was something that was extremely unusual. And some would see it as disrespectful and dishonoring to one's family, that you would not choose one of the names from your heritage, one of the names from your family. And they were, they were shocked. It's interesting that Luke records this. They're astonished by this. And at once his mouth, the mouth of Zacharias, it says, was opened, and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak in praise of God. Now, this really gets their attention, doesn't it? Now, it's not just about naming a name, a child a name. Now, it's about all of a sudden he can talk? What? <laughs> this is ridiculous. What, what's going on here? You couldn't speak for the last nine, you know, nine or ten months, and now you, all of a sudden, miraculously, you can speak? And he speaks, and not only does he speak, but he starts to praise and bless God. And the picture that, that Luke gives us is that God is, in some ways, rewarding his obedience to him by doing what he, what he commanded. And he's given his speech back. And the first thing that he does is to praise and to glorify God. The first thing, first thing after not speaking for nine or ten months, how would you like to have a, a husband that couldn't talk to you for nine months up, up until the point when you have, you're having a, a brand new baby. I mean, that, that should have been fun. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth is praise and blessing and glory to God. Now watch the reaction. This is, this is what's interesting. Watch the reaction that the people that are, that are in this room or you know, in this gathering together that they give. Luke says, fear came on all those living around them. And all of these matters were being talked about in all of the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them kept this in mind, saying, what then will this child turn out to be? This is a big deal. This was disruptive. God is, is essentially coming down and causing a disruption in the land of Judea, in the hills of Judea. And people are legitimately afraid. They don't understand, they don't understand what's happening. They can't figure out why, why these things are taking place. All they know is they've waited for 400 years and, and it seems as though this Messiah that's prophesied is never coming. And it seems as though things are never going to get better for the people of God. It's just one disappointment and one frustration after another. And it's almost as if God has forgotten his people. I wonder if Elizabeth had that feeling. I wonder if she ever felt during that time period of of praying and begging and pleading and asking God to give them 
a child, I wonder if she ever felt forgotten. I wonder if she ever felt as though no one was listening. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that way when you're going through um, a time period in your life that maybe is difficult? It, it seems as though you've, you've prayed and asked God over and over and over again for something to happen, and it doesn't happen. In the, the things that you're asking God to take place, it seems as though um, he either isn't listening or doesn't want you to have the things that you're asking for, or he's not answering in the, the manner of time that you want him to answer. Ever, have you ever felt that way? Elizabeth probably did. And the people of God waiting through this 400-year stint of silence probably wondered what was happening. I wonder if the, the Israelites who lived under the slavery of the Egyptians for 400 and some years, I wonder if they felt that way. If they felt as though God has allowed us to come under this awful awful slavery, and we can't find any relief. There's no relief to be had. All we know is that things are not working out the way we think they should. And it seems as though God has walked away and turned his back on his people, up until the point that Moses arrives, of course. And up until the point that a man is born uh, in the, the hills of Judea, and they called his name John. This was a special kind of character, wasn't it? This, is a, this was not a normal, normal person. This was a special type of character. And the people are talking and, and gossiping and whispering uh, amongst themselves within the towns of Judea, and wondering what, what's going to become of this person. This person has just come into the world in a, in a manner that is unusual and uh, in a manner that um, seems to be breaking tradition. I wonder if God is doing something special through this person. I wonder if God has is, is, is finally sent the Messiah to rescue us from the oppression and the slavery of the Romans. There's a common thread as we read through this chapter, and, and um, as Pastor Matt continues to make his way through this book, there's, there's a common thread that you can easily, easily see here, and, I, and that I, I want you to see and understand as, as the backdrop of, of what we're, we're looking at this morning. Because I want, I want us to ask the question, as I said earlier, what is Luke wanting us to see in this text? What is he really wanting you to know this morning? From this text? What's the, what's the purpose of all of it? Why is he wanting to tell such detail? What's the purpose of all of it? And I think what happens here is he gives, he gives us a little bit of a glimpse into what he's trying to accomplish as he writes this narrative to Theophilus. Back in verses 3 and verses 4 of chapter 1. And it says this, it seemed fitting for me this is Luke writing to Theophilus. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully, 
invested everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. Now listen to this. So that you might know the exact truth about the things that you've been taught. And the ESV translates that passage so that you might have certainty. So that you may know and so that you may have certainty of the things of which you have been taught, the, the, the truths that have been passed down to you, that you will know that these things really happened. They really happened. And you could bank on it. And your life should be revolutionized, revolutionized by these things. He wants us to have a sense of certainty about these things. He wants us to, to see and read these passages and understand that there is divine truth being taught here. And so Luke, in, in the, way, the way that he normally does, and uh, Mark and, and John have, have been working their way through in our LDC class, the, the book of Acts. And so you've gotten a real close-up look at, at Luke and the way that Luke writes. He, he loves to give attention to detail. And so we see that first and the attention to detail that he gives and what's happening here with the, with the birth of John. And he goes even further in verse 67, if you look with me. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. You see what, what he's doing here? He's immediately understanding and equating the things that are happening to God sending relief and redemption for his people. The very thing that they've been waiting for year after year after year after year, God has now provided it says he accomplished, he has sent this to accomplish redemption for his people. The things that were prophesied by King David, it says in the house of David, his servant, he has spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. We know Isaiah spoke about this. We know that David spoke about this time that was coming. In verse 71, it says salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy towards our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. You see what, what's happening here? There's something extraordinary happening or about to happen. We know it's coming here in this next chapter. And, and Luke wants us to see that. He wants us to see that this is a big deal and that the things that are, are, that are about to happen even further in this next, this next section are world-changing. They're life-changing. And on top of that, these are things that Luke perceives as direct mercy and favor from God. These are things that have been, they had been praying about and asking and begging and pleading for relief, that God would somehow give them a relief from these Roman people, these Roman soldiers that, that paroled, or uh, uh, excuse me, paroled, patrolled through uh, the city of Jerusalem, you can, can you imagine making your way 
to the temple for worship or prayer. And as you're walking to the temple in Jerusalem, um, one after another, you see one Roman soldier after another. And their responsibility there is, is to bring law and order and oppression. God is now breaking through, the, in some ways, the corridors of time. At just the right moment when his people are overwhelmed with oppression, they're overwhelmed with discouragement and sadness, and there's something impossible that seems to be becoming possible. There's something that, that we would normally look at as impossible and when God is involved, it becomes possible. When someone isn't able to bear a child for 30 or 40 years after being married, and all of a sudden is able miraculously to be able to do that, that's, that's something impossible, isn't it? That's something impossible that God is making possible. When we haven't heard one peep from, from God or from, any, or from any of his prophets for 400 years, and now all of a sudden we, we find that Zechariah's breaking out in prophecy and, and praising God and foretelling. He's foretelling the things that are getting ready to happen. That just doesn't seem possible. 400 years doesn't seem possible. It probably didn't seem possible either that it would rain in the times of Noah. And that when God commanded Noah to build an ark and the people around him, around Noah and his family laughed at him and mocked him and scorned him, it's not rained here for years. It's not going to happen. Does it seem possible? But God says through, his, through Zacharias that he has granted the people of God to be delivered from the hand of of our enemies. Why? Why is he done why is he doing this? Why has he done this? So that we might serve him without fear. So that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before God all of our day, all of our days. All the days of our life that we will have this opportunity to, to do this. And listen to what he says about John. And you child will be called the prophet of the Most High God. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God. You begin to see multiple different attributes of God's character being laid out here. You see the, the, the mercy of God. You see the, the love of God. You see the divine sovereignty of God. We see the omnipotence and just the, the absolute power of God happening here and the tender, loving mercy of God and that he is bestowing mercy upon his people after 400 years of silence. <clears throat> the impossible is becoming possible. How does a person become for, forgiven of their sins? How does someone, how does someone become forgiven? It's impossible without God. It's impossible without the death of a son on the cross, making a way of redemption, making a way for an atonement to be, to be made so that our, our sins could be wiped away, 
and that we would be given the, the very righteousness of God. Without him, it's impossible. In verse 8, he says, the child continued to grow and to become strong. He became strong in spirit. And he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Do you remember what when the Jews sent the Pharisees uh, and the scribes out to visit John? Do you remember what he told them? Who are you? What, what are you? what is your reason for being here? What is your purpose for gathering all of these people together out here in the middle of nowhere and preaching? What, what should we go back and tell the authorities that sent us? <clears throat> and you remember he said, I'm one crying out in the desert. Make way, make your way right before the Lord. The sunrise is finally rising. He's making a path ready for the coming of the Messiah so that the people of God would be relieved not only from the oppression of the Romans, but that we would be relieved from our sins. You know, and he's still, still doing this today, isn't he? He's still doing it today. He's taking a, a brokenness. I was thinking about this yesterday. Think about, we look around at society and around uh, some of the things that, that we've witnessed over the last, uh, the last few years. And when you begin to look around at what, what has happened, um, not just in our country, but around the world, you, you, you can't but be overcome by a sense of brokenness. It's a sense of brokenness. And we know that God has the, the ability and the power to, to fix that. He has the ability to fix the cracks and the, the brokenness and to make it whole. He has the ability to take away sins. Not just so that we could have eternal life, but he's taking away sin so that we can be whole again. And that has a ripple effect that will carry out through the entire world and society. That God is doing something special, and he's already done something special. And we, we look to him in these interesting days that we live in, these times of confusion in some ways. Um. These are times of um, frustration uh, by many people. And it's, we're living in a, a day and age of, of, of mass confusion. And people are, are looking. If you, you know, I know it's hard. We have to wear masks. You know, um, I know it's hard sometimes, but if you spend a few moments talking to people, you'll get the sense very quickly that people are looking for something bigger than themselves. They're looking for something greater than what's happening around them. <clears throat> and we know that the hole, <clears throat> the hole that they fill in their hearts is something that can be filled uh, by the love of God. 
And so one of the things that God has given us the, the ability to do is to look for, for opportunities to share this truth and to share this message to, to those who are around us. There's so many people right now <clears throat> um, that are hurting. Um, there are so many people that, that need life and they need help. And when we look at, at this passage and, and we look at what God was doing in this time period, he's bringing a sense of relief and he's bringing a sense of mercy to his people when they felt as though there was no mercy and no relief to be found. I wonder if people feel like that today. I wonder if people feel as though there is no mercy right now. There's no relief right now. Um, we have it in this country. We have it so good. As difficult as things have been for us, um, it's a thousand, hundred thousand times more difficult in countries around the world. We, we are blessed people, but it, that doesn't mean that we don't also struggle with difficulties, does it? <clears throat> and I am so thankful that God has given us this, this passage and as a reminder to us that when it feels as though all hope is lost, and it feels as though the impossible cannot happen. God breaks through this uh, in his timing, on his stage, um, at his discretion, and he makes the impossible possible. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us the uh, short few moments this, uh, together to be able to study your word. And um, we thank you, Lord, that you have you have given us this record recorded by Luke and reminded us of the, the miraculous things that, that you were accomplishing in, in these days as, as you brought forth your servant, John, to prepare the way for the Messiah. And we remember, uh, we remember him telling his people that he must decrease and Christ must increase. And when we look at this story and we, we realize that when we feel as though all hope is lost and it, and it seems as though the things that we've asked and prayed for for year after year after year, when it seems as though they're never going to happen or it seems as though you don't hear us. We're reminded this morning that you do. You hear the prayers of your people. We're reminded this morning, Lord, that you love us. You loved us before the foundations of the world, it says, with an everlasting love. We are so thankful, Lord, that you have called us to be your people and given us this message of hope to share with the world. I pray, the Lord, um, as we leave this place this morning, that you would place a hedge of protection around this congregation. Every month, we, the elders come together to, to pray for our church. We pray that you would, every time we come together, that you would bless and protect this church and that you would pr protect it from the evil one and protect it from his uh, 
his ambition and endeavors to cause trouble and discord. And that you would use our church and use the, the, the talents and the gifts that you've given the people here to, to take a, a message of hope and a message of redemption to the people in the city of Louisville. And that we would, we would get to witness firsthand the transformation of people's lives. And that you would do that here. You would do that here in, in our midst in this church. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for saving us from our sins. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.